sun was shining. Candy was being passed out. Everybody was having a good time today. You may be seated. I am going to be talking to you on a topic that I think is so very, very, very important for us as believers, the church, and for the world in general. But I'm just talking right now to the church. We see an absence of miraculous events. We have so many troubles and problems, not only in our individual lives, but at times in the church at large. And it's because of this topic. People will pray. They will say they have a wonderful prayer life. They will say they love God with all their heart, but this is absent a lot of times in their lives because they feel like I've gotten to a place in life where I really don't have to listen. When I was a child, I had to, but as I'm older, I don't. So what I'm going to be talking to you about tonight is what is biblical submission? And I have, as the sound booth can tell you, copious amounts of scripture and we're going to go through it, and I'm going to see how far I can get. They've extended me to next week. But this is, a, this is a topic that you really can't exhaust. And this is something that people really need to take stock in and assess themselves to see if they really are submitted. Um, it's funny, uh, being a presbyter and sitting on the board, how many ministers feel like they don't have to submit themselves. And they get to that place where they become what is known as a law to themselves. So I don't mean to be so pointed at the very beginning, but this kind of topic really does matter to God. Because the source of all authority came from him. So let's just start now. Um, so many people in our culture today have negative connotations about the word submit. What happens is they conjure up these images of a tyrant standing over his or her subjects, beating them into submission or a doormat-type person that does whatever others want them to do. Webster defines the word as, listen, to yield oneself to the authority or will of another, to permit oneself to be subjected to something, or to defer to or consent to abide by the opinion or authority of another. And again, when, when I give you these definitions, Many still 
convey unfavorable thoughts of some kind since no one likes to become someone else's subject or never get their own way. But in the fallen world in which we live, humans have rejected various authorities over the centuries, especially, especially God's authority. Although the world and culture play a large part of our understanding of certain concepts, it is the Christian's responsibility, it is the Christian's responsibility to understand God's meaning behind the word or phrase found in his word. So what does it mean to submit? This is on your paper. What does it mean to submit according to the Bible? Are there commandments in the Bible for certain individuals to submit to others? Is submission really a negative term? So, to answer these questions, we have to go to the authority, and the authority is the Word of God. John 6 and 68 says, But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So, you can go to any help book you want, you can go to any guru you think you, you know, or you can go to Wikipedia. But really, the one that has the words is Jesus Christ. He's the one that will help you. Luke 4 and 4, but Jesus answered him saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then finally, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The English term submit is translated from the Greek word hupotasso, H-U-P-O-T-A-S-S-O meaning to order under. The Greek lexicon defines it as to cause to be in submissive relationship, to subject, to subordinate. So the first important scripture, design your paper, the first important scripture to examine in regard to submission is James 4 and 7. Therefore, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, that's pretty good. We all like that verse of scripture, submit, submitting to God. We're going to go on and explain more because if you're going to submit to God, then you're going to have to submit to the authorities that God puts in place. Not many argue about the meaning of submit in this passage. We are to submit 
obey or humble ourselves before God. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is understandable since he is our creator, our lawgiver, our redeemer, and our judge. He's the one that allowed us to grace this earth. He's the one that brought us into existence. Yes, you have earthly parents, but without God's permission, you would have never come here. So right there, you owe it all to God because you're here. Those who do not submit to God on your paper, unbelievers, will receive their just punishment. Romans 10.3 says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. What that means is there are people that shape God into who they want him to be. Rather than allowing God to be who he is and listen to him and take him for face value, they stretch at times the word of God so it's convenient to them. You can't do that, my dear friends, at all. Not one jot or one tittle. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 9, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So, if you don't submit to God... It's, it's not on anybody else but the individual's own head. Love for God demands on your paper action. We must keep his commandments. John 14, 15, and we know these scriptures. We know them. If you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John 5, 2 through 3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're very easy to keep, albeit sometimes they're not convenient, because they go against our agenda or our will, but when you keep them, you always get the right conclusion. On your papers, thus, we submit our will, in parentheses, what we want to do, to his will, what he wants us to do. First Corinthians 16, 16 says that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. 
Now, a logical conclusion to draw from this truth is that if we are submitting ourselves to God, we are obeying his commandments, including the commandments for us to submit to others. Who are we commanded? Who are we commanded to submit to in the Bible? You want the quick answer? Everyone. Everyone. It says this in Romans 13 and 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. As much as you might not, our, not like our current president, guess who allowed him to be there? You might not agree with, I think his name is Jing in China, but guess who put him there? So all the authorities that are in positions in this world are there under the auspices of God. It might be tough to think about that, but let's go back into the Old Testament. Nebuchadnezzar was allowed to reign, and he was a ruthless, a ruthless king who killed, destroyed, tore up women that were pregnant. But God allowed him to reign. He was his instrument. Think about this. Sometimes we... We think about people that are killed, you know, an untimely death. Sometimes that's the instrument of God. Because God is the giver and taker of life. We don't really let those things roll around in our mind a lot. But God knows the beginning from the end. And he puts one up and sets one down. Titus 3 and 1, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. We can complain as much as we want about our local governments, but it's up to us to be the right type of individuals when it comes to following the law. You know what's so funny? You know, you can turn the corner and you can see a police car and it doesn't bother you because you're going the right speed. But come down that same road and you see that car and all of a sudden you tap the brake because you weren't going the right speed. And then you keep looking in your rear view mirror. Is he coming? I've done that a lot. Peter also states that we are to submit to the laws of the land in which we live because these laws are for the punishment of evildoers. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 14, Therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So if you do okay, you're not afraid of the law. As a matter of fact, they're your friends. But it's those people that don't do good that they don't have a very good relationship 
with those that are keeping the law. First as Christians on your paper, first as Christians we should be striving to obey the laws our government has issued. Unless, of course, those laws are contrary to God's law. When I was doing this, what came to my mind, what was the name of that minister? Spellman? What was during COVID? Tony what? Spell? He did the wrong thing. As much as you all want to look at him as a hero, he did the wrong thing. He should have never did that. He brought a disparaging look at the church. Other churches figured it out. You go online. And you might say the government was pushing. That's up to them. What we were supposed to do as a church, we were supposed to listen to what was being said until there was something that opened up. They didn't stop us from preaching the gospel. Listen to me. They didn't stop him from preaching the gospel. He decided to go, and yes, he won his case. I understand that. But he really did make the church look bad in the eyes of a lot of people. And so when you look at what the word of God says, it says that Jesus did not quench a smoking flax nor break a reed. In other words, he didn't protest. He didn't do anything outlandish out of the way. All he did was he taught. Yes, he was persecuted for that because he was talking about certain things. And who was he the toughest on? He was the toughest on religious leaders. Pharisees and the scribes. Because they were the ones that were supposed to be representing him. So you've got to understand what God is saying to us through the word of God. Acts 5.29 says, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And we can't stretch that scripture. We can't stretch it to fit our needs. We've got to look at it through the context and the lens of the word of God. We cannot be good influencers, influencers are on others when, we see, when they see us disobeying laws, such as breaking traffic laws, tax evasions, or unauthorized downloading of music or movies for free off the internet, or doing other things. We bring glory to God. We are submitting to him when we obey the authorities that govern us. That's, that's always how Daniel, you know, scratch your head, Daniel could serve a heathen king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bendigo could serve a heathen king because they understood these concepts. Secondly, on your paper, servants are commanded to submit to their masters. All of you that have jobs, you're a servant. Your masters are your boss. Honest day's wage for an honest day's work. Ephesians 6, 5, bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincere of heart as to Christ. 
1 Peter 2.18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. There are some bosses that just, they're jerks. I remember when, a good friend now, but he's passed from the scene. I remember when uh, I worked at Alert, and I came in there, and I was working on a specific machine, and my, my boss, my supervisor, he was just such a crab. I mean, you couldn't get the guy to crack a smile at all. And one day I broke the machine, and he came down. He said, take that into the president and tell him what you did. So I took it into the president, I showed him what I did, and he says, oh, that's okay. He says, Dave, we'll just send it out to get it fixed. You know, just go back, put the other one on. So I went back, he came back, and he said, what did he say? He said to put the other one on and just get back to work. He went away, came back an hour later, and he looked at me and he said, are you a minister? <laughs> and I said, why, yes, I am. He says, why didn't you tell me? And I said, would it have made a difference? From that day on, he was so kind and nice to me, we had a great relationship. <laughs> but you see, at times, you've got to understand, there was another time I was working on a machine, I think I've told you this, but allow me to repeat, I'm 68 years old. Um, I was working on my machine, and there was a sight glass that showed the oil running. And... Um, I was working, and all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, there's a devil probably, the sight glass popped out, and all the oil in the head, which I can't tell you how many quarts, came pouring down on my head all over me, and I just stood there because it was warm oil. And, and I picked up a couple rags, and I just started wiping myself off, and this one guy came over, and he said, you really are a Christian. And I said, why? He says, you didn't swear. You didn't say anything negative. He says, you just let it drip all over you and you wiped yourself off with a rag. See, people watch you. They're watching your response. Corinthians 3.22 or Colossians 3.22 says, not only to the good and gentle, or, excuse me, bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. This, when you talk about your position as a worker and your boss, this is not an endorsement for slavery as skeptics want to propose, but rather stated that if we find ourselves in some form of service, we should do our work to the very best of our ability because we're not doing it towards men. We're doing it as to the Lord. Certainly, we, we who hold, or those of you who hold secular jobs, can apply this to your relationship with your boss, your companies, or anybody else in your workplaces. If we rebel against our boss's authority, we are not fearing God, the master of us all. You're just, and to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it's sin. 
Colossians 3 and 22, bond servants obey in all things, your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. Same verse. Other commandments that deal with submission are concerned more specifically with the relationship between, on your papers, Christians or home life. I use this verse of scripture quite a bit. Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, since retiring... I no longer feel pressure because the weight of the responsibility that goes on, that mantle has lifted from me and now has gone on to our pastor. But what this verse of scripture means, and I'm going to tell you from being in that chair for 26 years, dealing with people and giving them advice and them not taking that advice that's a hardship on them, and that's what they'll have to answer in the end. Because what that does is that puts a stress on the pastor. Or when you give a snarky answer to a pastor, you know, smart-alecky, that's not good for you. That is not good. Because the man of God has been put there for a reason and for a purpose and is to be honored and to be listened to. You don't go to somebody else. Don't do that. I know people that will listen to one pastor and then go to another minister to seek their advice. Wrong thing to do. Again, to them that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to them it is sin. And that's a sin that's accounted to them. I don't think people look at it that way. But that's exactly what the Word of God is talking about when we talk about submission. You can't make your alliance to one. That's like a woman or a man married to an individual don't like that, that spouse. They go to another spouse to get their due rewards. Does that sound right? No, it isn't. And so why would it be any different in the family of God? It is no different. You can't. You can't take your allegiance and put it somewhere else when God has put you in the specific place he wants you to be. I used to love people that would come into my office and say, God told me. Well, he didn't tell me. And until he tells me, you better hold off. But then people plunge headlong and you see they become a shipwreck. And then what do you do? This is all having to do with biblical submission. Again, going back to what I first started out saying, we, we say we pray, we worship the right way, but if we're not submitted, all the rest is just fluff. Because you must be submitted to what God would have for you. So, this verse, Hebrews 13 and 17, admonishes the Christian to obey those who rule over. 
being submissive to them, we can conclude that those who rule over them are the elders or the local, of the local congregation because they watch out for their souls who must give an account. And that last portion, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Not the pastor, but for the individual that is shepherding over their soul. I know it's quiet, and I know I'd get this response, but it's good that I'm teaching this because I've been in this a lot longer, and I've seen a lot of things take place in people's lives that didn't have to take place. It was because they were unsubmissive. When the, on your paper, when the elders of the congregation make a decision in matters of opinion, opinion concerning worship and activities of the church, we should want to follow their lead, trusting they are doing what is best for the Lord's church. Opinion. Okay? Paul said so many times, these are my words, not the words of the Lord. He did that in 1 Corinthians 7 when he was talking about the relationship between husbands and wives. This is my opinion, not the opinion of the Lord. But because it's in there, it is the word of the Lord. 1 Peter 5.5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. He instructs the elders, those who have the responsibility of shepherding, shepherding the flock, also described as bishops, presbyters, shepherds. So 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. It says, The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So in these first four verses, He's telling younger ones to submit to elders, most likely older people in general, people that have more wisdom. Other passages instruct younger to submit to the older, such as children obeying their parents. Colossians 3.20, children obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 6 and 1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 1 Timothy 3 and 4, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. So the children have to listen, have to listen to their parents. There's no out. There's no out. And then in the household, it is 
very, very necessary for the parents to parent their children having them in submission. You know, years ago, many, many years ago, I'd look at a minister, and rather than look at him, I'd look at his children. I wanted to see what was going on in the household. And if there was rebellion in the household, there was something wrong. There was something wrong that was happening either between the husband and the wife, or the husband wasn't doing his role being the leader in the household. You've got to understand that God has given us roles to fulfill in life. And he is very serious about these things. Think about it. Long before the worlds were created, there was only one authority, and that was God. One authority. And then he created Adam. And he shared his authority with Adam. And all the animals were subject onto Adam. So he was the authoritarian in the world at that time. Then he pulled Eve from his side. And Eve was called his help meet. So he was to rule over Eve. And Eve was to follow him. But sin interrupted the whole process. And then... He brought the family into existence. And there was authority in the family, the husband, the wife. You can go into 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and it talks about that descending authority. God, Christ, husband, wife, or man, woman. It's all, it's all there. It's the authority. But we've got that out of whack because we're in a modern society that we're being pummeled with day after day, social media, news, and it creeps into our lives. And then we begin to take on the flavor at times of the world. And we become unsubmissive. And we feel that we're justified in those positions. We are not justified. We will be judged for those things. So we should do everything that's necessary to make sure that we are aligned with the word of God. That's why this is such an important topic. Submission. Submission. Again, I sit on a board, and there's five of us from five different sections. There's our district superintendent, our district secretary. When we make a law, we do something. If that district sec uh, superintendent does not agree with it, he has veto power, and we don't pound our fists and stomp our feet. We just say, yes, sir. And when the door is open, we're all friends. That's the way it should be in a household. That's the way it should be in a church. What a wonderful world this would be if it all worked like that, right? But because of sin, because of the devil, because of temptation. On your papers, God is pleased when the younger generations... Honor and respect the older generations. And when his flock submits to their shepherds as they serve the head shepherd. I still am a guy that likes to hear, hello, Mr. Meyer. 
I don't like when my children call me by my first name or my wife. And they kid at times. You know, hi, Dave. What? And it's just kidding. They're just kidding. I realize that. But you see these families where that goes on. There's no respect. I've been in households where the children call their parents by their first name. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Or else I hate when a man calls his wife his old lady. I'd like to take a two-by-four and correct him. That, that is not the way to respect your spouse. Or she says, my old man. It's, it's just not convenient in this day and age. Now you wonder why all these young people on the campuses are rebelling and they're, they're going after all different kinds of things that they shouldn't be going after because they're not submitted. And they're taught not to submit. They're taught to question everything. Both Paul and Peter in their writings commanded the wife to submit to her husband. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 5 says, Wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe their chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Men love those scriptures. That's right, Julie, you can hit him. But they forget, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We're supposed to love with a dying love that will even die for our spouse. So, women are commanded to submit to men in the assembly. That is not to be the speak, to speak over men in mixed assemblies. So, women are to honor the men. 1 Timothy 2.11, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. 1 Corinthians 14.34, let your women keep silent, silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. Now let me give some context to this, because back then, today is different. Civilizations change, our laws change, things happen. Back then, women didn't have the prominence they have now, okay? I don't think God ever intended women not to be voters. I don't think, you know, the Suffrage Act, that should have been allowed a long time. Women have 
just as much right as men. But the one thing is, women have to understand, they came from the man. The man didn't come from the woman. And what the woman should understand is that the men are there for them, to protect them, to provide for them, to be the ones that head the family. And women, I, I'm not saying that they cannot teach. I'm not saying they can't even pastor. But they should do it under the auspices and the direction of men. That's what they should do. And this false nomer that Christ came as a woman, he didn't come as a woman. And God is not a woman. There is no gender to God. The only gender we have is Jesus Christ. And he was a man. So women should not lord over men. Should not lord over men. And in this present culture today, where we have misogyny and we have all sorts of things that are going on, we have a lot of trouble. You see why the world is in the mess that it's in. Because we don't have the proper, proper way that life should be. The proper order. Now you got guys that want to compete with little girls because they think they're girls. Do you see how crazy this has gotten? They say that prior to the 20th century that women really did not wear pants. They wore dresses. The first woman that went up Long's Peak, she wore a dress. And they thought she was crazy. But that's how women dressed. But today, women want to wear the pants. They want equal pay. They want equal rights. And so this is why you've got the world that you've got today. And it's because of the lack of submission, the lack of understanding, the lack of truly looking at what the Word of God says. Men, we're not supposed to be tyrants. We're supposed to love. And we're supposed to really give out of a heart of gratitude and love. God, the Creator, has given each of us responsibility in certain roles in which to function. He gave the serious responsibility of spiritual leadership to men. 1 Timothy 2 and 8, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I'll never forget that time I went to a minister's conference. This was other denominations, so I was with other pastors from other churches. And I think I've told you this, but I'm going to tell you it again. The speaker said, I, he came to a point and he said, we need prayer warriors in our church. And he said, I want you to get the name of an individual that's in your church, um, put that person forefront in your mind. And so he said, how many of those names are men? About two hands went up. How many of them are women? The rest of them all went up. There's a disparity. There's a disparity. The leaders should be the men. 
They should be the ones that are leading the way. But it seems that women are much more spiritually sensitive than men. Why? Because men were taught, you don't cry. You don't, you don't act like that. you got to be a man. When you get hurt, get up, spit on it, rub it, and get moving again. Walk it off. Am I right? Yeah. Ephesians 5, 23 through 25, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. On your paper, when women obey God by submitting to their husband's leadership in the home, and the men in the assembly, they are following God's design. Again, we are submitting to him when we obey his commandments concerning our duty to submit to others. The New Testament again uses hupotasso two other times. Christians are commanded to submit to one another in humility and in the fear of of God. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So we submit to each other. 1 Peter 5.5, likewise you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm going to go back to this. We should be Kindly affectioned one to another, not be snarky with one another, not be smarty pants with one another, but love each other and talk things out. Not hold grudges. You've heard that from this pulpit, but that's all part of submission. Again, I'm going to go back to that verse of scripture that says, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Sin. And these can be termed as presumptuous sins or sins of omission that you don't think of. But you've got to think of them because this is how God designed things to be. This submit to one another has led many to some wrong conclusions. First, it has been proposed by some that Christians are submitting to each other when true love is displayed among his people. Certainly love is the distinguishing characteristic of God's people. John 13, 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. This is the trouble we have when people leave one church and go to another because they have a problem. And they don't talk it out with their pastor. And they don't move the right way. See, here's, here's the saying that, that goes, when they leave me, they're rebellious. When you receive them, they're just hurting. That's not the way it should be. Because the problem then follows if it's not dealt with. And sooner or later, it raises its head again. That's why 
ministers, pastors should be on the same page, and when saints move, there should be discussion between pastors and saints. That was for free. John 5.17, these things I command you that you love one another. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. 1 John 4.7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We should serve others selflessly. This is not submission, however. Parents love their children, making sacrifices for them, but they do not submit to the children. Likewise, elders are to lovingly serve the congregation a shepherd, but the elders do not submit to the members. Do you understand that? Yes? Secondly, and I'm going to close, pick it up next week. Secondly, many have wrongly assumed that since all Christians are to be submissive to one another, only in the sense of loving one another, then that somehow cancels out the passages that command women or wives to be in submission to men or husbands. Remember that the scriptures are all inspired by God and do not contradict. They complement one another. If it is the case that submit to one another negates the command for the wife to submit to her husband or the woman in the corporate assembly to submit to the men, then it would follow that all other commandments involving submission would be null and void as well. Children would not be required to submit to parents or any adult. Members would not need to submit to their elders and citizens would not have to submit to their governing authorities. But that's not the case. We've got to take each one in the, the context that it was written. And that, that's not hard for us to do. But submission is necessary. This is what I'm, what I'm teaching you. This is biblical submission at its root. And we have to have this in our lives to please him. Does that make sense? I'll take up next week. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you and we ask right now that you would just help us. Help us to be submitted people. Submitted to you, submitted to the government, submitted to our relationships and marriages, submitted to each other. God, just to understand what it really means to be submitted people. And then, God, use that submission, Lord, so that others will see and will understand, and then, God, they will give in to this salvation message. So, God, I ask right now that you would just bless each, each person, each household. God, keep them in your care, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen.